I guess you could accuse me of being a little white. A little spicy at times. I guess you could call me Vanilla Spice. Word to your mother. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. Spice, spice, baby. Spice, spice, baby. All right, stop. Turn it up and listen. Brad is back with a brand new edition. Something grabs hold of me tightly. Guess it's your mom and she's sucking me nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the light. Defense glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a bando. Light up a show. Wax a mean like a candle. Stands. Don't compromise my views. I'm breaking the story. You're just fake news. Deadly. But I play a dope melody. Patrick Clark got arrested for a felony. Love it. Believe it. You better make way. You better hit bullseye. You know I don't play. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out my nine because my rights in all Taking the gloves off. He's talking in depth about pro wrestling, sports, pop culture, trending topics on social media, politics, and his crazy life. He's uncensored. He's unapologetic. He's media personality Brad Shepard. And he's unleashed. I'm ready to play now. Put me in the game now. I came here to prove it. I'm ready to do it. I can't be afraid now. Put me on the stage now. I'm ready to rage now. I feel like an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown, hand over my heart I do this for my town, I do this for my crowd So turn me up real loud, my time, my time None of you people can tell me to stop Welcome to Brad Shepard Unleashed You never know what I'm going to say or do next It's fair to say, I don't have a future in the rap game But hopefully, you are sports entertained by that intro Nobody in podcasting is doing what I am. Nobody in any genre. I want to personally thank you for your support. And if you're not following me on Twitter and Instagram, stop what you're doing. Find me at It's Brad Shepard and hit that follow button now. All right. I've got a great show for you this week, as always. So sit back, relax. And enjoy the show because it's time to take the gloves off. We start out this week, as we do always, with the fake news wrestling media. And this week, we're going to focus on one particular fake news wrestling journalist. I broke the news on my Patreon that Tyson Fury was scheduled to be in attendance at WWE Clash at the Castle. You may remember Tyson has previously worked with WWE. Big star in boxing. 
This is a big deal appearance. The story was picked up by Ringside News, to their credit. And then six days later, Louis Dangor, the lead dirt sheet writer for Give Me Sport in the UK, breaks the news that Tyson Fury was scheduled to be in attendance at WWE Clash at the Castle. Now, stop me if that sounds familiar. Lewis formerly worked at garbage website WrestleTalk and is friends with Sean Sapp and the entire circle jerk of dirt sheet writers. He's attacked me repeatedly, refuses to credit me. In that regard, he's been influenced by Sean Sapp. It doesn't matter that my batting average is as high as anyone when it comes to news stories in wrestling media. They don't like my opinions. So they refuse to cover me and lie to others about my credibility in an attempt to discredit me. Lewis actually does this for a living. And he lives in London. Clash at the Castle is in Cardiff less than three hours away from him. And a foreigner, me, a guy who does this as a hobby for fun, outscooped him by six days. Imagine being that bad at your job. Let's talk about Vince Russo and his statement that he was working for the USA Network for two years consulting for WWE Raw. First, I'm going to play a clip of Ben Hameen and Stevie Richards talking about it. Take a listen. Yes, the, it is true that we were working for con, as consultants for USA Network and NBC for two years, uh, consulting for Monday Night Raw. <laughs> and a lot of what you saw on TV uh, were ideas from our group collective conglomerate of Stevie, myself, and Vince Russo. Vince McMahon didn't know that it was Russo, Stevie, and myself working with USA Network president and then NBC afterwards, giving them the notes while he's working with Bobby Ashley and the rest of the fucking crew over there uh, coming, coming up with the stupidest 24-7 shit ever, that it was indeed us for two years working and having talent reach out from their roster asking us for ideas, and that would get to TV as well. Uh, meanwhile, you think pretty highly of yourself, don't you, pal? Like we're giving them every opportunity to bring us on board and do that what's happened during, during the time, during the time we, we tried to actually, uh, everything we did and was not only for our own consultancy and hopefully to make money, but to help the industry and get around all the politics and give USA network uh, a big brother because they're just getting lied to by Bruce and Carano and, and Steph and, and everybody else, they had nobody in their corners. So it, it was a, a brain trust that absolutely had a massive influence on WWE 2020 to 2022, really 2019 to 2022. Hey, listen, I, I was just happy they fought on the roof. <laughs> so i'm gonna put it over for those who don't I, I'm just saying, i was just like <laughs> in one of our in one of our meetings stevie goes 
dude, you, we could say any crazy shit. I don't care what it is. We'll pitch. Let's just pitch something stupid. He goes, how about uh, money in the bank is on the roof of Titan Towers? Money in the bank, two weeks later, announced on the roof of Titan Towers. So if anybody says anything at all, like that was one of the more ridiculous, not well thought out of like, they'll do anything. Like it was a rib between us. And they won't and- do it. They won't do it. You said. So if and as much as we're in a uh, group mentality and group mind conglomerate creatives, that was Stevie a hundred percent. I'll put that over. And it was a throwaway rib in one of our private meetings, and it becomes the lead thing. What was it? SummerSlam, two years oh, ago. Money in the bank pay per view. Money in the bank. Sorry, duh. Money in the bank two years ago. Like that's a hundred percent Stevie's idea. <laughs> we know enough to keep our mouth shut. So when guys like Billy or whoever, Sean Ross, Sap, or these great fucking dirt sheet writers who have all the inside knowledge, they didn't know a fucking thing. My staff didn't know a thing until about a month ago when I revealed it to them. And no one even knew. Like there'd be a couple of, I think they're consulting, but no one ever knew because we fucking shut the fuck up and we shut the fuck up because we, because we're men and we know what the hell we're doing. So these guys that have claim to have all the inside knowledge, they don't know shit about shit. And uh, we have to sit here tight lipped while they're going. And I know this, and I know that, and this is from this. How many times I heard dirt sheet writers say this new storyline is because of this. When I know, because I wrote it with these guys two weeks ago where it really came from, bro, on the hurt business shit or whatever it is. Also when, whenever, whenever someone referred to that, the network is thinking this, that, the other thing. And- yeah. It was recently revealed by Vince Russo, Ben Hameen, and Stevie Richards. that They were allegedly consulting for the USA Network for Raw for two years from 2020 to 2022. Allegedly, Vince Russo was hired to consult for the USA Network after he reached out to them. And he used Ben Hameen and Stevie Richards to help him. So it's my assumption that their names weren't on the contract. They were paid by Vince. Vince brought them in himself. According to Vince himself, he was responsible for watching the show and providing feedback and also presenting ideas. Why would Vince cop to presenting creative ideas during the worst time creatively in WWE history? I mean, this is someone who prides himself on ratings, uh, writing during the Attitude Era, record business. And he's talking about a time, the pandemic era of WWE, where ratings for WWE Raw were at an all-time low. Awful, atrocious. This is the worst time creatively in WWE history. Worse than the mid-90s. It was awful. I stopped watching for the first time in my entire life. It was that bad. And now Vince is going to have you believe that he was one of the forces behind that. (laughs) There's another point to this that needs to be explored as well. And that's if Vince lied to his paying subscribers. The Russo's brand, Channel Attitude. He was reviewing Raw each week behind his paywall. 
while he was also pitching ideas for the show that in some cases made TV. Now, his subscribers did not know he was allegedly consulting for Raw while also reviewing it. He told his subscribers, in fact, in some cases, he didn't watch Raw or all of it. He fast-forwarded through it. And again, he said this while consulting for the USA Network. I wonder if they knew that. Or maybe he was just lying to his subscribers. Either way, it was a damaging conflict of interest. And I'm not sure how he could be trusted moving forward. And this is not the first time. He did this with TNA, if you remember, secretly consulting for them while covering wrestling. That was only exposed because of his accidental email to Mike Johnson of PW Insider. And now, Ben Hameen is tweeting AEW CEO Tony Khan and begging to meet with him in New York. (laughs) This whole thing is absolutely pathetic. Ben continues to ride Vince Russo's coattails But at the same time, associating with Vince has cost Ben opportunities. People close to him have separated themselves. A friend and co-host in the NWA can't even get him a gig there. And that's not the only place. AEW. Oh, Serena Deeb is his girl. Oh, uh, Brody Lee's wife, Amanda. That's his girl. A.W. wants nothing to do with him. And of course, it couldn't be because he's completely buried Tony Khan as a money mark in the show and everything else. And hey, I agree with that. But don't turn around and think you're suddenly going to get an opportunity to work for him. These guys haven't provided proof. And the wrestling journalists are saying they aren't aware of this being true. And... The wrestling news sites aren't covering this. But I actually believe them. I don't think they would lie about that. But ultimately, the hard truth is. They're just not relevant in modern wrestling. And nobody cares. Let's talk about WWE superstar Matt Riddle. Recently, Matt Riddle's ex-girlfriend disclosed details of their relationship on social media. And it is not pretty. The story was picked up by various sites, including Ringside News. Riddle was in a relationship with OnlyFans star Daniela Petro. But now they're split up. And Petro is exposing a ton of things on her Twitter account which I'm going to talk about now. Petro took to Twitter where she revealed stories from other women who Riddle allegedly mistreated. It was revealed in one tweet uh, that a woman allegedly met Riddle for the first time two weeks ago, and he slapped her backside without consent. She confessed that she was intimidated because Riddle is a former UFC fighter and a WWE wrestler. She then disclosed in detail what Riddle did with her in the hotel room, allegedly, when she woke up in the morning. Petro explained that 
on her Twitter account with the following. Two weeks ago in Canada, she deserves waking up in Super King Bros with him kneeling next to her face, naked, told her to deep throat him and then bitch about her going to sleep when he took her back to the room instead of fucking. The girl later said she thought her friend set up the uninvited butt slap, but uh, probably not the best look. Now, Petro tagged WWE, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon, along with Alexa Bliss and Dewdrop in her tweet. But the messages continued as well. And I'm going to read uh, some of this. It's the conversation between uh, Petro and Riddle. Riddle says, I want to fuck you in front of people early in the day, then at night. I want to do some coke and molly and have you fuck me in front of people. Or in a perfect scenario, we get another hot guy with a big cock and you share it with me. Honestly, babe, I do love you. But there's certain things I want need to be in a relationship. I want need a cock, pussy, ass-loving slut like me. And I want those things and... Not to do it because I want it. I know I'm not like other guys, and I really don't get jealous if you flirt or fuck anyone, to be honest. That's what I want. When you were trying to be my girlfriend, I hated it. But when you sent me that video of kissing that other guy, I was so turned on. And that's what I want, especially when I can't have you. It's so hot because you're hot. I know that's a lot, and it's stuff I've already told you. But I think this time you'll believe me that I won't get jealous. Wait, what? Yes. Also, one more thing. I want to make porn with you and I'll pay you and give you royalties if I ever release it or sell it. Wait, what? Are you sober right now? Yes. Just really fucking horny. Give me 10 to read, reread and read again. Take your time, he says. I'm going to respond in breakdown is that okay still there i'm at the train station i'm going through security oh sorry yes let me read everything you sent don't be okay the porn is an insurance policy if wwe ever wants to fire me i'll explain in person but it makes sense plus i've always wanted to do it it makes sense she says you definitely have to explain more in person i'm actually shocked there aren't sex vids out there of you show off and she's got several emojis. Riddle has yet to respond to the allegations. So this is all being aired out. And she's definitely sharing his private business. There's no question about it. It's obviously to hurt him. It's to hurt him professionally. Uh, you know, look, there's two elements to this, really. There's the element of the airing out of his personal business, his personal relationship with his now ex-girlfriend. And then there's this business aspect with WWE. And does this impact his job, essentially? So there has been no response, to my knowledge, at this point from WWE. You know, but here's my take on it. Yeah, however you feel about Riddle uh, being into guys and girls, uh, being a cuck, you know, smacking women's butts, whatever you whatever you think about his 
his personal life, which does seem to be a bit of a train wreck. Um, you know, it is his private life. And so for the things that don't impact WWE for his private life and, you know, and it's salacious and people want to read about it. And it's, you know, just like TMZ coverage, like I get why it's a story, uh, because people are going to read that story in large numbers. That's the reality because that is the kind of story that people want to read at the same time. It certainly is his private business. And I, I get, um, that it's really nobody else's business. Uh, but that public profile that puts you under a certain scrutiny uh, that that comes along with that profile, whether you agree with it or not. And and I think his private life should be his private life. But that's the reality. I don't get to make those decisions. So I don't care personally that he's into everything, that he's you know got this sort of messy or salacious personal life. I don't care about that. Uh, it is interesting, but it's, it's not anything I would hold against him in and of itself or anything that anybody needs to know. At the same time, you do wonder with the different relationships that he's had, and it goes back to the messy divorce he had uh, with his wife. Uh, and, you know, it's at some point, does this begin to impact his value in WWE? That's a fair question to ask because he is generating bad publicity and it is attention, but it's negative attention for WWE. Now, you know, you talk about their treatment of China and she couldn't be in the Hall of Fame because you could Google her, you know, and she had done porn. But then you see things like this with Matt Riddle. Uh, so where is that line? Uh, and so I don't know. I, I mean, but this is not a guy, in my opinion, and I've never been a Matt Riddle guy. I've talked about that. I've been very open about that. I've never been a big fan of his, but it, at some point it does seem like it would diminish his value. The guy has been pushed pretty significantly um, this year by WWE, even going back to last year. And so he's on the biggest run of his entire professional wrestling career. And at the same time, he has these, you know, sort of messy personal things going on that keep getting publicly revealed. Uh, so it's an interesting situation. I'll be interested to see if it impacts, you know, his presentation as a character in WWE. Uh, you know, if he faces any sort of repercussions for it. It, it will be interesting now. If there was something that happened without consent, uh, then I think he should face the consequences. Uh, if that's not the case, or if someone wasn't offended by that, then I think people should, you know, mind their own business and not worry about it. Uh, how does it impact you? I don't know. Another aspect to this is the drug use. Is he using drugs? And again, obviously there's a history of drugs in pro wrestling, but you know, um, is this something where he would uh, come up hot on a drug test? I don't know. There's a lot to unpack here, uh, and it's certainly something we'll have to watch moving forward. That's my take on Matt Riddle. All right. It's time for, at your request, my 
NFL preseason picks. Uh, going to talk briefly about what I expect this season. It's very early. That being said, here are my division winners. Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals, Tennessee Titans, Kansas City Chiefs, Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, teams that I think will improve. Miami Dolphins, Indianapolis Colts, Philadelphia Eagles, and the Carolina Panthers. Now, looking at these teams, the Bills, I think, are going to be the same great team. There's no question about that. Uh, The Cincinnati Bengals, again, there is a question mark at quarterback with the knee injury. Uh, But Joe Burrow, have confidence in him. I think they'll be a a very good team. They're a young, talented team. They'll be uh, back and very competitive this season. Uh, The Tennessee Titans, they uh, have become a consistent competitive team. So I expect that to continue. The Kansas City Chiefs are obviously a very good team each and every year now. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys, this one was a bit tricky. Uh, I never trust the Cowboys. You know, I was back and forth on Eagles and Cowboys. uh, But I went with the Cowboys. You know, it's a toss-up division. Uh, Green Bay Packers, I think that's a no-brainer. The Buccaneers, I do think they'll win the division. Tom Brady is back for what should be his final season. They'll have a very good team again. And then the 49ers, who are finally benching Jimmy G. If they had a good quarterback last season, they would have been in the Super Bowl. They would have won the Super Bowl, potentially even. I I mean, just a really, really good team. Their weak point was quarterback. Jimmy G was awful. Uh, Bill Belichick looking like a genius for unloading him on San Francisco. Okay, so uh, Dolphins looking good. Obviously, Tyree Kill. Uh, They've added some um, pieces to their offense. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts will improve. I don't think they'll be great or anything. The Philadelphia Eagles, their offense has definitely improved. And then the Carolina Panthers, who are an all right team, uh, but now they've got Baker Mayfield. And I'm not a huge Baker Mayfield guy, but he is an upgrade from Sam Darnold. And they will at least be able to be competitive and have a chance to win somewhere probably between eight to 10 games this season. All right. Teams to beat uh, Los Angeles Rams. No question about it for me. Uh, I don't see where this team has a weakness. Uh, Obviously they won it all last season. And I think they're the team to beat this season. And they are absolutely a threat to repeat a Super Bowl champion. As a Boston sports fan and, Longtime New England Patriots fan. Just me personally, this is a big year for Mac Jones. This is really, it feels like a make or break year. Is he going to improve? Is he going to get better? Or is he going to regress? Or is he going to show he's not improving? Those are big shoes to fill. I like Mac Jones. I'm on the fence on him. One thing New England fans can't do is Compare him to Tom Brady. That's the biggest challenge he faces. Stepping into the shoes of Tom Brady. He will not be Tom Brady. This will not be a dynasty team. This will be a competitive football team. 
among other competitive football teams, uh, a team that's greatly coached at that. So that's what you should expect. Uh, but big year for Mac Jones. And finally, the Unleashed Army Fantasy Football League, which I'm very, very excited about. I'm a longtime fantasy football player. Uh, our draft is this weekend, September 3rd. And the teams are my ball, Zach Ertz. That's my team name. Subject to change, by the way, based on the draft. But I needed something out of the gate to name my team. And uh, there you go. Touchdown Browns. Uh, that's kind of like a major irony. Uh, when do they score touchdowns? KO is my hero. I think this person, they did that just to piss me off. Mud Show Outlaws. <laughs> Mandatory Stafford meeting. Hanging with Hernandez. Ooh. Green and yellow and a clear Packers fan. White privilege. Gronky Kong. A tribute to my favorite tight end in NFL history. Gronk. And then, of course, the Fantasy Football Bros podcast. Who have a fantasy football podcast? I'm sure you can guess the name. Okay, so we've got a, a very fun 10-team league. I'm excited about it. Again, the draft is this weekend. And then we start. And there's going to be a whole lot of fun, a whole lot of smack talking each and every week on this podcast. I'm going to get on here and either sulk or brag about what happened from the previous weekend. Okay, it's time to talk about the Clash at the Castle WWE show coming up this Saturday. Uh, this is a big show, a big return to the UK for a premium live event. So uh, they are pulling out all the stops to make this a big deal show. And it's a show I'm looking forward to. And, and so this is another new era Noseman show. We'll see what direction they go. There could be some uh, fun surprises. But let's run down the card and talk about it. We've got a uh, six-woman tag match. It's Asuka, Bianca, and Alexa versus... Bailey, Kai, and Sky. Now, this match is the one that I'm the least interested in. Now, there's no stakes, and I get Bailey, Kai, and Sky. Are a, they're the new car smell. Bailey returned. These two were up from NXT. They're a new faction. Um, Asuka is Asuka. Bianca, you know, this is uh, kind of baffling to me. She's a champion. She's in the six-woman tag. And Alexa Bliss, who's really had no momentum since returning. Um, you know, I, I just, there's no stakes. There's no point. You know, again, I just, I'm not interested in this match at all. Um, I think it'll be a below average match. Uh, it'll be fine, I guess. But I, I just don't know where the excitement will be. It's certainly the least exciting match on the card for me. Intercontinental champion Gunther defends the championship versus Sheamus. Now, Gunther is a guy who's still trying to get over. Uh, these are uh, both people not from the U.S. Uh, I think the crowd in the U.K. will be into this match. Uh, this could be a really good, hard-hitting, physical sort of war. Uh, so I do think this has potential and it is something to watch. Uh, Sheamus, I've talked about this before. 
he's been incredible. He's been on the run of his career. I mean, the work he's doing in his mid-40s, the shape that he's in, kudos to him. It is really great. Uh, the SmackDown Women's Champion Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler. I'm a little bit intrigued by this, right? It looks like Shayna's getting more of a serious presentation now with Noseman Paul in charge. And I like that. I'm for that. Shayna Baszler is a badass women's wrestler. She's a legitimate former MMA fighter. She could kick the shit out of Liv Morgan in less than 30 seconds. That's true. So it backs you into a corner. I mean, you had Liv beat Ronda Rousey twice, which was atrocious, a disaster. And I'm afraid they're going to have Liv Morgan beat Shayna Baszler, too. I hope they resist temptation, but I think that's what they're going to do. And that would be a disaster because Liv Morgan is vanilla ice cream. She's just boring. She's plain. She's not that good. Uh, and the crowd's already turned on her. I mean, this, uh, how do you book a match, a 10, 15 minute match against Shayna Baszler where it's believable, Liv Morgan? I don't have that answer. Uh, Edge and Rey Mysterio versus Finn and Damian from the Judgment Day. Uh, now, obviously, Dominic portraying jealousy that he's not in the match with Rey and that Edge is. This could certainly be leading to a heel turn in storyline. Uh, this match would be okay. I mean, Ray and Edge are usually fun to watch. Uh, Finn and Damien, to me, have been very boring. Their presentation has been awful. Like, I'm over Finn. And, uh, you know, the entire presentation with Damien is now completely boring. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Judgment Day, they're really strongly pushing what is an obvious boring mid-card faction uh finn balor has really just been a major letdown uh, i i just this match will be okay it'll be passable you know there is some storyline there which i like and i think that is what makes this match passable all right matt riddle versus seth freaking rollins so they have done a nice job now building this up uh Certainly, they could have done a better job before the go-home. But now, there's some real-life sounding momentum behind this match. People want to see them wrestle. They were allowed to portray emotions like real people in real confrontations with real anger. And that connected with people. It was very obvious when it happened. You know, the initial part of the promo was totally normal. But when they returned from commercial break, you saw the rest of it that wasn't on camera. And uh, this was kind of a playoff of the John Jones, Daniel Cormier uh, interview back and forth uh, from the UFC. And it was nicely done. I'm not sure everyone caught that, but it was very nicely done. You know, they allowed Matt Riddle to use the, the word fuck. Obviously, it was beeped out and they also censored over his mouth so you couldn't read his lips i mean so it was you know so that was good that was perfectly fine and you know they used the real life emotion of you know matt is attacking but seth as you know becky being the most or the best wrestler in the family and seth comes back with 
you know, well, let's talk about families because yours left yours and wants nothing to do with you. And uh, and that's when Riddle says he's not going to just fight him. He's going to fuck him up. So it worked really well. That part was really well executed. We need to see more of that. And we need to see the entire interview segment being portrayed like that. Now, not in every story, but when you have a storyline build to where these two are in a, you know, a feud and they hate each other and they're going to have a fight and they can't wait to get their hands on each other sort of deal. We want to see some real emotion like that. So that was well done. And that's got to be, I would say, the second most anticipated match of the night. It's certainly something I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing how it evolves. And then the main event, it's the undisputed WWE Universal Championship match. It's Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre, a.k.a. Snooze McIntyre. And uh, this is going to be really intriguing, if only for the finish. You know, I think they'll have a good physical match. Uh, I believe they'll book Drew McIntyre very strongly. And I think the finish is going to be very fascinating. I think Drew McIntyre is the wrong person to take the titles, to take the championship belts from Roman Reigns, to end his historic championship streak. Drew McIntyre is not that guy, no matter how bad they want him to be. It's not working. There's no metrics internally that show Drew McIntyre should be the guy. They all say, hey, nice guy, but not the guy. And finally, uh, let's open up the mailbag and answer your questions, something I always enjoy. Where has William Morrissey been and where does he end up? I think Morrissey probably goes to AEW and debuts soon. He is his impact deals wrapped up. Um, either there's no interest right now in uh, from WWE. So I think he goes to AEW. What does the influence of main event stars on NXT mean? Uh, so there was some appearances uh, from main roster stars on NXT. And so just kind of wondering what the direction is. And that makes sense because, you know, we know when Nose Man Paul was in charge of NXT, the, you know, the NXT we're familiar with, it was the wannabe indie era of WWE. And, and so... Is he trying to once again make NXT a third brand? Or is he just simply trying to promote NXT because it is a TV show and increase ratings? And hey, if that's the case, I get that. But if he's trying to make NXT once again a third brand, that's an enormous mistake. That is an enormous business mistake. NXT shouldn't be a TV show, folks. It should be a developmental territory Nothing more. Uh, a performance center for people to train. I, but what they're doing is a TV show making money. And I get it. It's a publicly traded corporation. And they have a they have a responsibility to their shareholders to be as profitable as possible. I get that. But 
NXT should not be a TV show. So I hope he's not going in that direction to be determined. So with Triple H bringing back numerous people, it can't be all happy with both main roster's talent who are losing spots to H's favorites, right? This is a good point. This is an issue we've seen in AEW with bringing in all ex-WWE, as they say. Uh, So the originals lose out on a spot because of the former WWE talents that Tony is signing. Well, it's similar to what's going on now on a much smaller scale with Noseman Paul bringing back his buddies and putting them on the main roster. Uh, and some of them I get. Look, Killer Cross, uh, Karrion Cross, totally get it. Uh, I'm in support of that. Little Johnny Gargano, absolutely not. So it really does... It depends. It's on a case-by-case basis. But I do think it is a mistake to continue to bring back talent uh, to the main roster that have left. That whole surprise strategy didn't work in AEW. Uh, It's not going to work in WWE. And it actually gets fans to almost expect surprises. And then they begin to pop and anticipate surprises. And if they don't get those, they get disappointed, you know, and and, and I just think that's a a challenge they've seen with the Royal Rumble over the years as they haven't done as many surprises in some years. uh, It it changes fans opinions of the show because they have been conditioned to expect surprises. Uh, So that's certainly not a strategy that that they want to use. It won't be successful long term. What will be successful is creating larger-than-life characters and compelling stories, period. And they need a whole lot of work on getting their current roster over before they venture into anything else. What are the political implications of Matt Riddle enjoying cock as much as pussy? I don't think there's any political implications whatsoever. I mean, this is 2022. Uh, I really don't see that being an issue in WWE whatsoever. And frankly, why should they care? You know, is is this something at work he's doing during uh, his work hours with coworkers, or you know, I I don't think it matters. I really don't at at all. Would you take up a challenge against Sean Ross Crap for a charity boxing match? All proceeds to a kids' hospital or something? Absolutely, positively not. I am not boxing anybody for free if it's not going to me i'm not doing it why would i do that i mean look i'm not going out of my way to fight anybody i simply will defend myself wherever i'm at kevin owens called you a bitch yes he did um that's fine and he did that while i was blocked on twitter and So I guess what I'm saying is, who's the real bitch? Why do wrestling companies promote women's wrestling while probably the highest number is like 10% for women that like wrestling? The idea of women's wrestling being popular, uh, of there being some big fandom, of it selling, drawing, you know, uh, that's all, generally speaking, an idea, as I said, and nothing more. 
people want to feel good about the idea of equality and etc and, and so they promote these social justice ideas when in reality this is entertainment and you want the best of the best on tv and sometimes that is women in in particular in roles that are non-wrestling maybe it's a storyline where there's a relationship angle but ultimately it's a tv show and there are women that can entertain in non-wrestling roles but but the idea that's being pushed here is not just women in different segments but specifically women's wrestling and pretending it's the greatest thing ever uh, and they're just as good as the men's wrestlers and that's objectively false it's actually embarrassing when people say that because again it's objectively false not even close to true they are held to a lower standard than men absolutely no question about it by fans by people in the industry, by everybody. They're handled with kid gloves. Nobody's willing to tell them the truth. It's just not that good. That's just the reality. And there's just few exceptions to it. Brad, do you think that tranny Nyla Rose is on his way out of AEW? And if he is, would you have the big money match be between him and Jade and have Jade beat the living shit out of Nyla? Or do you think Nyla Rose should be wrestling the men? Well, I wouldn't have signed Nyla Rose uh, or Brandon DeGroat, uh, the male name of Nyla Rose before the transition. Simply put, Nyla Rose has never been a good wrestler. Nyla Rose signed with AEW and was able to wrestle as a woman against other women because the bar for women is so low. He simply could not cut it as a man in wrestling, wrestling other men. That's the reality. Hey, Nyla Rose signed by AEW, former women's champion, Brandon DeGroat, not even a thought for AEW. It would never happen. That's the difference. That bar has been lowered. Thoughts on Wes Welker getting denied for disability. The NFL denied him. Even got his uh, ACL torn. Okay, so, yeah, the Wes Welker thing is sad. You know, it really is. Uh, you know, tough little player. And uh, even though he dropped that fucking ball, Brady threw him during the Super Bowl and cost him the son of a bitch. But he's he's a tough little guy. Um, and, you know, he's had a gazillion concussions. He's a true case, in my opinion, of of needing disability. And there are plenty of others, too. Um, so you do see the physical debilitation of these football players, and it's sad. And they know what they're getting into. You know, no matter what anybody says, they can do all the research and take all the precautions they want. At the end of the day, this is gladiator shit. And they are rocking their brain and destroying their bodies. Uh, and the more honest we can be about that, while it's happening or before they make the decision to play, the better everyone is. When will we see Lars Sullivan back? He was a good wrestler and a monster heel. Um, I don't think he was a good wrestler, actually. <laughs> Every time I think about him, I think of uh, Alistair Black in NXT, and he does his little uh, spinneroo kick finisher, Black Mass. 
and it just misses Lars Sullivan by a country mile, and he sells it anyway like he was hit by it. It was really bad. Lars Sullivan is not a good wrestler. I don't care that he did gay porn or, you know, he's got anxiety issues, etc. He's just not a good wrestler, uh, not a fit for the WWE, and I don't see them bringing him back. When will Impact shut down their Bound for Glory main event is Josh Alexander versus Eddie Edwards. Just shut down the company at this point. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, ooh, brutal. You know, Impact, it really is brutal. It's fucking absolutely awful. It's a dumpster fire of a company that should have been shut down uh, and, and hasn't been because essentially uh, Anthem just decides to uh, to keep funding it. So it's like uh, it's got more than nine lives, more lives than a cat at this point. But it's just irrelevant in so many ways in 2022 in the wrestling space. Uh, they're just, uh, you know, it's just an awful company. If Garth Brooks defeated Roman Reigns for the title, would the viewership go up? He does sold out stadiums. <laughs> Uh, Garth Brooks beating Roman Reigns for the title. That could be a short-term uh, viewership going up, but I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of non-wrestling fans who like Garth Brooks specifically watching three hours of Raw or two hours of SmackDown every week uh, because Garth Brooks is the champion uh, of the fake world. <laughs> so no, I, I don't necessarily know that long-term that would be helpful at all. In the short term, you can definitely see a boost, I think. The person that beats Roman, yeah, it needs to be their next big star. Technical Work Rate Productions is working with Zero News now. When are you going to stop your competition before Evil Rob becomes their producer and creates the Anti-Brad Shepard Network? Uh, I have always been cool with Technical Work Rate Productions. Uh I don't I know they're they've had some collaboration with Zero News that I've seen in social media. Um, I don't view them as competition. It's two different things. And uh, Evil Rob, <laughs> I don't think they're going to have Evil Rob as their producer. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, OK, that's the show, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week and you won't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brad Shepard Unleashed. Unleashed. Stay connected to Brad 24-7 for news, announcements, and analysis by following him on Twitter at It's Brad Shepard. You've been listening to Brad Shepard Unleashed. Yeah.